From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 211 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I am a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, it's good to be back for this full edition. This is the first full edition of the What is Truth Catholic podcast I've done since the pandemic. So uh, it's great to be back. Hopefully I'll be able to continue to do this weekly. If I can't, I'll alternate special editions with the full edition. Anyway, fall is soon upon us. Autumn, or fall, is a time where things die, only to be born again in the spring. We as disciples of Christ are also called to die as well, to die to our pride, our selfishness, our sinfulness, and all the times we think we don't need God. Lord, please give us humility and help us to configure our lives in your image. In episode 211 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, Saint Cyprian, who taught the forgiveness of Jesus during a time of church persecution. We'll hear a homily for the 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time, as Jesus tells us a parable about an ungrateful servant. In the segment Catholics in the News, we will learn about a nun who has gone through two pandemics. In the segment entitled Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book about the importance of silence in prayer. In the segment entitled I Don't Get It, I will try to understand a new group's position in the upcoming presidential election. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about gossiping. All of this plus music from our friends, our new one actually, Lauren Moscato, who sings, He Gives Me Strength. This and more on episode 211 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Cyprian is important in the development of Christian thought and practice in the 3rd century, especially in northern Africa. Highly educated, a famous orator, he became a Christian as an adult. He distributed his goods to the poor and amazed his fellow citizens by making a vow of chastity before his baptism. Within two years he had been ordained a priest and was chosen, against his will, as Bishop of Carthage. Cyprian complained that the peace the church had enjoyed had weakened the spirit of many Christians and had opened the door to converts who did not have the true spirit of faith. When the Decian persecution began, many Christians easily abandoned the church. It was their reinstatement that ensued that the great controversy of the third century and helped the church progress in its understanding of the sacrament of penance. During a plague in Carthage, Cyprian urged Christians to help everyone, including their enemies and persecutors. He was a mixture of kindness and courage, vigor and steadiness. He was cheerful and serious, so that people did not know whether to love him or respect him more. Cyprian waxed warm during the baptismal controversy. His feelings must have concerned him, for it is this time that he wrote his treatise on patience. St. Augustine remarked that Cyprian atoned for his anger by his glorious martyrdom. His liturgical feast day 
is September 16th. St. Cyprian, who served the church during a time of turmoil and persecution. Our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time, as Jesus tells us the parable of the ungrateful servant. In October of 2006, 20-year-old firefighter EMT Matt Swazell had just gotten off a 24-hour shift at his station in Decula, Georgia. He was dead tired but confident he could make it home safely. He was wrong. He was just a couple miles from his home and didn't realize he was falling asleep at the wheel. His car drifted into oncoming traffic and hit another car, one driven by June Fitzgerald, a 30-year-old wife and mother who was pregnant with her second child. She was killed in the accident and her son, who was due in just two months, never got to take his first breath. Incredibly, another passenger in the car, 19-month-old Faith, survived with only minor abrasions and bruises. Her father, Pastor Eric Fitzgerald, said, Hearing the news, I was just trying to process it. Not only did I lose my wife and my best friend, I lost my son. Enough time had passed for Eric to come to an acceptance of sorts, and an understanding that this was truly a horrible accident, not intended. And he realized that, as a pastor and believer, he needed to extend forgiveness, not only for himself, but for Matt the man who ran into his wife. Eric went to Matt's court hearing and pleaded the court for leniency. In the end, Matt just got off with paying a fine and doing community service. But Eric's compassion went even further. Not long after that, they started meeting together to share meals and talk. They even attended church together. Their bond has only deepened over the last years and Eric has seen Matt get married, Eric has remarried, and both have families of their own. The two men continue to be friends to this day. The true power of forgiveness. In our first reading from the book of Sirach, we hear the Lord say, Forgive your neighbor's injustice. Then, when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. And then the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, You know, when Peter asked him, how often do we forgive? An infinite time, 70 times 70 times 7, infinitely forgiving. And then tells the parable of the grateful servant who was forgiven his debt, but would not forgive a servant who owed him a lesser debt. We are called, my brothers and sisters, to be a people of forgiveness. But I think what we are called to think about is Are we really a forgiving people? Often we hold on to the hurts in our lives. If someone has done something to hurt us or injure us in some way, we hold on to it. We often feel sorry for ourselves. We're almost martyred by it. And sometimes we simply won't let it go and we won't and can't forgive. 
Other times we get angry. We want revenge. We want to get back at the person who injured us in some form, emotionally or whatever. And when we're living in that anger and that rage, we are not forgiving. Other times we don't choose to forgive. We say to ourselves, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Or the polar opposite, we may deny our own feelings about it, not forgive, push it all away, and kind of pretend it never happened until we implode inside with all, with all the feelings we are not dealing with. And then we do not forgive either. And yet, my brothers and sisters, as Christians, we are called to forgive. Christ forgave those who nailed him to a cross. We are called to forgive as well. If we are to forgive, we must first accept the hurts in our lives that are inflicted on us by other people. We don't have to forget them, but we need to accept them and understand that they are not simply about us. And when we accept the fact that we are hurt, we are able to feel that hurt and then choose to forgive the person who hurt us, whether we continue to have a relationship with that person or not. The same goes for anger. We need to enter into our anger, understand that we are angry, and yet we're not supposed to get stuck there. We're to allow our anger to be felt and then surrender it to God and forgive the other person who injured us. And ultimately, instead of looking at forgiveness as something that someone deserves or not deserve, we are called to forgive not for the other, simply, but for ourselves. For we understand that only by forgiving can we be forgiven as well. That's what Christ is telling us. You can't be forgiven by God if you're not willing to forgive others. We must choose to forgive whether someone deserves that forgiveness or not. We must accept what we go through and feel it and deal with it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, forgive. My brothers and sisters, the world is a hurtful place. We're often hurt by circumstances, by other people, by what people say and do. We also get angry because we're mistreated and, and judged and criticized, whatever it may be. And we have every right to those feelings, but we are not to get stuck in them. We are to move through them. We are not to hold grudges. We are not to seek revenge. We are not to get an eye for an eye. That's not being a Christian. We are called to forgive. Whether someone says I'm sorry or not, whether someone, quote, deserves it or not, we are called to forgive. Like Peter was told, 70 times 7 times 7, an infinite number. So let us pray for the gift of forgiveness, that as Christ tells us, for us to be forgiven, we must forgive. So let us forgive those who have hurt us and injured us. May we forgive in all our hearts, whether they're living or deceased. And may we live Christ's mercy and love, and pray that by our own willingness to forgive others, we may accept and be given the grace of God's forgiveness.
And now let us listen to Warren Moscato, a new artist on the podcast, who sings, He Gives Me Strength.
Catholics in the news. For Benedictine sister Vivia Avantic, these times are not unprecedented. Avantic was born in 1913, five years before the Spanish flu pandemic that began in 1918. Now the Chicago woman religious can add the coronavirus to the deadly illnesses she has escaped. The first pandemic, she said, I was too small to realize what was going on. But I know it happened because my mother's mother died. I knew she was crying, but I was too small to realize why. The 1918 pandemic inflicted an estimated 500 million people and killed, that's how many got it, and killed at least 50 million, including about 675,000 in the United States. Ivantek had COVID-19 symptoms in April and recovered. Her symptoms were so mild, she thought she had a cold. I think I'm too old to be set back very much, she said. I've been very, very fortunate. At 107 years old, Sister Avantik is the oldest living Benedictine in the world. Many centurions attribute her longevity to a shot of whiskey every day or some habit, but not Avantik. We don't serve whiskey, she said, of the St. Scholastica Monastery where she lives. People have wine once in a while, but the whiskey's pretty short. She grew up in North Chicago and joined the Chicago Benedictines when she was 19. I always wanted to, she said. In the first grade, I said to my mother, that's what I want to be. I just never thought of another kind of wife. Most of her career was spent as a teacher, librarian, and archivist. I've done a lot of different things, she said noting that she taught third graders in high school Latin as well as being a librarian. She needs assistance to walk now and uses a wheelchair when she goes outside to feed the squirrels. She also appreciates retirement. She was from a family of nine children, but in the Second World War, two of her four brothers were killed within a week of each other. Now her brother Bill is her only living sibling. She says her favorite work was teaching. It was wonderful to be able to open the eyes and ears and souls of the little ones you taught, Sister Avantik said, not just about God, but about history and geography. It was a wonderful place to be. Because of COVID-19 restrictions, her 107th birthday celebration was spread out over a week with a few relatives visiting each day. I worked hard, she said. I've had good health. It's been a good life for me. Sister Vivian Avantik, who at 107 has lived through two pandemics, and by the grace of God, survived them. This week's Catholics in the News. (music) 
Truth in the Media. Father Donald Haggerty has a new book entitled Contemplative Enigmas that focuses on the spirituality of prayer with major prominence given to the role of silence. Both are as to hear God as well as to have God reveal himself to us as he wishes, which often occurs in silence, which helps our prayer life grow deeper. In this book, Father Haggerty discusses how the stimuli of modern information technology creates a kind of perennial background companion presence, sort of like, he says, mental elevator music that debilitates our ability to pray, lessens our capacity to be still, and to know that he is God. And because of our lack of recollection, it masks superficial what Father Haggerty calls an abyss of the self, an emptiness. While Father Haggerty notes the human need to learn to accept silence as a prerequisite to real prayer, he puts even greater emphasis on how God is often silent, especially in contemplative prayer, and now paradoxically as well. His silence often speaks volumes to the soul. To underscore and support our faith, is in our silent Lord, Father Haggerty frequently writes about prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. God's presence there is certain and assured, even if silent and hidden. The profound experience with God's loving presence in praying before the tabernacle or a monstrance never removes the reality of his utter mystery. That said, if we are praying, truly praying to the Lord, Before the tabernacle, the truth is evident. The hidden transcending God steps out of hiding in some manner and makes himself known to the soul who loves him and longs for him. Father Haggerty makes it clear that ours is a society that is uncomfortable with silence. Just consider how awkward or uncomfortable many people feel with merely being quietly present especially at difficult moments like sickness or death. That uncomfortableness is why Father Haggerty regularly emphasizes that deep prayer needs to be comfortable with silence. Contemplative Enigmas by Father Donald Haggerty, reminding us of the importance of silence in our spiritual lives. This week's Truth in the Media. The Catholic voter outreach of Joe Biden's presidential campaign has launched its 2020 efforts, telling Catholics that Biden's priorities align with those of Pope Francis and the Church, despite the nominee's support for federal funding of abortions. Last week, Catholics for Biden held its official online launch. Speakers at the events, including Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, Sister Simone Campbell, and the former head of the politics department of Catholic University, and Dr. Stephen Schneck, who was quoted in 2012 of saying that the U.S. bishops' concern about the HHS birth control mandate were, quote, overblown, unquote. Speakers urged Catholics not to be single-issue voters on abortion, and they challenged President Trump's pro-life record while in office. 
Biden has pledged to support taxpayer-funded abortion and codify legal abortion in law. His public option health care plan would cover elective abortions. So let me get this straight. A new group is saying to vote for a candidate who is pro-abortion, okay, and saying all the while that he is in alignment with the teachings of the church and Pope Francis. You've got to be kidding me, right? This can't be happening. But it is. I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Pope Francis implored Catholics not to gossip about one another's faults, but instead to follow Jesus' directive on fraternal correction in the Gospel of Matthew. When we see a mistake, he said, a defect, a slip of a brother or sister, usually the first thing we do is to go and tell others about it, to gossip. And gossip closes the heart of the community, disrupts the unity of the church, Pope Francis said. He explained, to correct a brother who has done wrong, as Jesus suggests, and says there's three steps to it. First, to point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If that doesn't work, then to go about getting some help from someone that knows both of you. How many times, Pope Francis said, has this experience where someone comes and tells us, listen, you're wrong, you should change. Perhaps at first we're angry, but then we're grateful for the gesture of brotherhood, of communion, of someone trying to help us. Acknowledging that at times this private disclosure of another's fault may not be received well, Pope Francis pointed out that the gospel says not to give up, but to seek the support of other people. If that doesn't work, uh, then to go about having an attitude of recovery that Jesus wants from us. The third step, after trying yourself, getting some others to help you, is basically to have the church get involved. In some situations, the whole community may get involved. Jesus is teaching us about the idea of rehabilitation. He wants us to recover. He wants us to be saved, the Pope said. This is also a recognition that after all our human attempts may fail, we can still entrust our brother and sister who is in error to God in silence and prayer. Only by being alone before God can the brother or sister face his or her own conscience and responsibility for his or her actions, Paul Francis said. If things don't go right, prayer and silence for the brother and sister who is wrong, but we never, the Holy Father goes on to say, should ever gossip. The great talker is the devil who always goes about saying the bad things about others because he is a liar and tries to disunite the church, alienating brothers and sisters, an unmaking community. Brothers and sisters, Pope Francis pleaded, let's make an effort not to gossip. Gossiping is a plague worse than COVID-19, he stated. Pope Francis, telling us the truth about the importance of not gossiping. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, we have come to the end of this episode 211 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, or let me know whether you prefer 
the full version like this weekly, doing a shorter version every other week. If you have any opinions about anything like that, or just doing shorter versions, period, I'd appreciate hearing from you by emailing me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, God willing, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.